Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. And I wanted to mention that if you would like to connect with me directly, you can always do so at MarilynBarefoot.com or BreakingBrave.show. I see and answer every single contact personally, and I would truly love to hear from you. Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm Marilyn Barefoot, your host. On today's episode, my guest, Claudia Chan, shares her journey of transformation as an Asian woman. She delves into the challenges she faced and her choice between societal expectations and her own happiness. Claudia bravely and openly addresses the common struggles that Asian women encounter when it comes to embracing their desires and finding their voice. Claudia's message of empowerment and self-discovery is incredibly powerful. Please welcome the very brave Claudia Chan. Claudia Chan is doing trailblazing work in coaching and inspiring women in particular to embark on their own personal transformation, if you will. Welcome to Breaking Brave, Claudia. Oh, Marilyn, thank you so much for the introduction. Thank you so much for inviting me. Your energy is amazing. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. So, Claudia, just level set for our audience who is everywhere in the world. Can you just, in your own words, describe what you do? You've done a bazillion things, but let's talk about what you're doing now. Right now, I am a life coach for Asian women, helping them finally choose themselves. And why I say that is so that they can actually find the courage to find the clarity in the hearts, do what they really love to find that freedom without other people's judgment. Because I feel like a lot of women care so much about what other people say about them, and especially Asian women. I was about to ask you, is it especially for Asian women? And if it is especially for Asian women, why? Why is it sort of compounded with Asian women in terms of this? When you uh, look into women of different cultural backgrounds, we all have very similar um, upbringing where there is a patriarchy type thing that's coming on to us. But why I say particularly for Asian women, well, for me being a Chinese Canadian, I came to, I was born in Hong Kong and came to Canada when I was 11. Why is because with the Asian culture, there is a lot of, how do you say this? It's kind of, it's kind of funny because when you converse with them, they're very direct. Yes. And so if let's say body size They can be very direct and say things to you and makes you feel like, oh, you're already out of place right off the bat. Hmm. I remember that there was one time I I just attended this networking event and there was this one lady who was from China and there was the organizer's husband who came and then they're like, oh, hey, how are you? Haven't seen you for a long time. And the first thing she said to the man was, oh, it looks like you're gaining, you have gained weight. Right, like you, you don't say that in the Western culture. It's not appropriate, but in the Chinese culture, it's like it's it's 
a very interesting concept where it's like they are very observant, but then they tell you with the intention of, oh, they want to help you to be um, more healthy, but it's very direct, right? So it brings on a lot of shame in that sense. So a lot of Asian women have this already swimming in this water where it's like, oh, everything that you do is already judged. Okay. So thank you. And and I I had no idea. <laughs> I don't think I realized or maybe haven't experienced personally the directness that you were just mm-hmm. discussing, Claudia. So already swimming in these waters means that Asian women are feeling like they can't really speak their minds or they can't really find their voice in Western culture because it might be offensive to people? Am no. I, am I in? What okay, I'm saying so. is that they feel like they cannot be themselves because if they are very different, other people are going to be directly giving them that judgment. And depending on how their personalities are, right? Because if they are very assured of themselves, then they don't really care about what other people say. But majority of women, they do care, right? Like if let's say, if let's say uh, the grades, for example, if let's say how they're being um, taking care of the kids, for example, right? All of these things, whether the kids are doing well or not, all of these things, if they get a direct judgment, they'll be like, oh, how dare you? But like, really, it's because internally they ha- already have this judgment within themselves. So it's like a compounding effect. It's not just at home, your parents are telling it to you, but it's like strangers or just your, your acquaintance will just be directly telling you something and be like, oh, what's going on, right? <laughs> yeah, so I it's understand. like that area where it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear this because other people are going to comment on my body size or I shouldn't do this because they'll say I'm not a bad mom. So it's like they cannot freely show up as who they are making that decision to say, do you know what? I just want to do it because I want to do it. <laughs> I understand completely. So how does this then, Claudia, show up for Asian women in business? Because ClaudiaChan.co yeah. is your your website and your and your coaching and your counseling business. Yeah. And you're specializing in Asian women. But how does this how does this pressure, how does that show up in business for these for these women? That's an interesting question. I think a lot of it is depend on the personality because I have seen women who are really extraordinary and they have created so many things back to back to back to back. And if you ask them, it would just be like, oh, I just went ahead to do it. I think it has to do a lot with also not just the Asian culture. It's like how your fight, flight, freeze kind of nervous system is built also. Right. Mm -hmm. So for people who are more in the fight mode, if they feel like, okay, this is something I really need to do, I'm just going to go ahead with it. Then they may be able to go boom, 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 everything is done. But for people who are more like me, who are usually in the um, flight or freeze mode, we are in our perfectionistic mind a lot, self-doubt, wondering what's going on, have to um, ruminate make sure that everything is good, have everything laid out. And then we check through everything again. (laughs) 
before we will go ahead with it. And then once we fail, we'll be like going back into our shell to say, okay, what's going on? Like what's like what's happening? So it's like the area where it takes time. It's not that we cannot do it. It's just that we need to take some time to go back into our body to be at a slower pace. And there's nothing wrong with either one. You really just have to understand how your body composition is in order to kind of go ahead with what you want. Excellent. So, Claudia, when clients come to you, when Asian women come to you for coaching, what are they experiencing? Sort of what what are the emblematic issues? What what's going on for them when they reach out to you and say, Claudia, please help me? Yeah. So there are two kinds of women that I work with. One are women who are at a later stage in life where they already have children. They are already in probably the teenage years, a later age, and they are at a stage where they really want to do something of their own. Like within them, there's this spark, but they're kind of scared to go ahead. And the other part is like, oh, um, but if I don't do it, it's kind of, I'm, it's, I'm getting kind of old and I don't want to regret not doing it. So that's one group of the ladies that I work with. The other group are ladies who are a little bit younger. They're just transitioning between university to finding a job or they're at an early stage of career. And they may either be trying to figure out how to deal with all the stress that comes with the transition, dealing with, okay, how do I advance? And also dealing with relationship. And so a lot of times maybe they are um, in a same-sex relationship where they have trouble like with being Chinese, they have trouble dealing with the parents, or they might have been in a relationship where they're not happy and they're thinking, okay, do I I stay or should I go? Or they may be in a place where they want to advance in their career and they're like, okay, something, I, I don't feel as confident as I should. So those are the two groups of women that I work with. And mainly it's because my my paid clients are the people who are at an, at an later stage in life and they're ready to take on things for themselves. And the other one is because I work with an organization called Mothers to Daughters. And I match with the daughter. So that's how I know about them. And that's Francine. That's and Francine. She's, and she's been a guest with us and her episode is available. So that's how we connected originally because yes. Francine actually connected us and said, oh, you've got to meet Claudia because she's <laughs> incredibly amazing. Yeah, she's a wonderful lady <laughs> and amazing. So good. And so are you. <laughs> and so are these women in the older stages? Let's let's deal mm-hmm. with that. We're in the, my kids are growing up and I've always wanted to do something stages. How do you help them, Claudia? How, how do you make them brave enough, if you will, or get them to a stage where they're brave enough to say, I want to do this. I will do this. I won't collapse within myself and talk myself out of it. How do you help them? I believe that the two main fears... Well, not just this group of women, but for people who actually want to find themselves also. The two main fears that people usually deal with are fear of rejection and fear of judgment. Fear of rejection, we're talking about 
when we show up big, when we show up as who we are, the people who we love or the people who love us will be like, oh, who's this person? Like, I don't want to be with them anymore because they're not the same person anymore. So we're, we're scared that they're going to reject us. So it's taking care of that, this fear. And I'll talk about that in a moment. And the other is the fear of judgment. Like, what are people going to say about us? What are we judging ourselves? How are we, like, seeing ourselves? So it, it usually these are the two fears that I deal with. So that because of these fears, we become very people-pleasing. We shut down who we are to please other people, make sure that they love us, make sure that they accept us. So um, we have to deal with going back into our body. A lot of times what I do with my ladies are going back into the fear. It's so important for us to feel it in our body because we're scared to do these things because we don't want to feel it in our body because they're so uncomfortable. Uh, and a lot of times people are scared and I, I don't blame them because they are scared that once they go into this fear and despair, they may, they may believe that they'll get stuck there and they don't want to, right? Like, oh, if I feel, that means I'm not good. Like this feeling is so hard, right? Feeling guilty of not like being um, generous enough, right? Feeling guilt, like feeling shame of being like, oh, what kind of mother are you? Like all of these big feelings are very difficult in the body. But what I do with them is allow them to actually feel that in the body, knowing that it's safe. It's just a feeling and it's safe. And once they process it, it's like, oh, it's not actually so bad. And if I can feel it right now and I'm actually safe, then how would I like to proceed with the next step? And so it's the one step at a time. And even for um, ladies who may be dealing with a lot of relationship problems, a lot of times anger is one of the big feelings that they want to suppress. They keep telling me, I don't want to feel angry at that person because it makes me look bad, right? Like, because we've been told we have to be the bigger person. We have to take care of other people's feelings. And if we feel anger, then that that means like we're somehow crazy women, right? So we don't want to feel that. But anger is the emotion that comes up to try to protect us because we're hurting underneath. So if we can feel the anger, let it out and in a safe environment, and then the underneath all of those, we can t- get in touch with all of those other feelings of pain, of um, hurt. So we can heal those and then we can move on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Does that ever resonate? Does that ever make sense? I've learned over the years that anger is a cloak that that covers fear. That right below anger is is the fear. So when somebody's angry, that's that's the shield, that's the cloak, that's the defense mechanism, but what they're actually covering up is fear. And Claudia because of the patriarchy, because of the upbringing, is this why it's more this perfectionism, this, the, these, I have to be great, I have to look good, it's more pervasive in 
Chinese women, in Asian women, because of the way you were raised by your parents? Luckily, my parents, um, my mom, she is very fair between me and my brother. And it's so funny because I just want to share this with you. When I was born, my dad has a has a few younger siblings, but the second brother that he he's the oldest, and he's a second brother. He they gave birth to a um, to a son, so my cousin, who is about three months older than me, and my gr- grandma, who is my dad's mom, she gave him a gold bracelet and gave me a $10 red pocket. Sorry, can you, a $10 what? Red pocket. So in Chinese culture, we um, during celebratory times, the older people would give out to the younger people a red pocket as a sign of gift, as a sign of luck. So when I was born, she she gave me a red, a red pocket that is $10. <laughs> so you can see, and, and then my mom, would, of, of course, she was really upset about that because for her, um, she is um, the fourth oldest. And then, uh, um, and then there, there are also a lot of other um, younger, younger siblings underneath her. She told me how her dad, when she asked her dad, my grandpa, to buy her a pack of coloring pencils for school, he refused. But he turned around to buy one of the sons a soccer ball. So it's already in the water, in, in within my own genes, within my ancestors. All of these are in within me, right? So all of and I think I think one of the things I really want to share is that when we look into our own self discovery journey is not just us. It's also important to look at and acknowledge all of the culture that we swim in, that we live in, and our own ancestors' upbringing, right? Because all of those pain and suffering is ingrained within each of us. And I, I really can't compare myself to another Chinese girl because if the ancestor is a little bit different than her, even if we have been born in Hong Kong, came here when we were 11 and went through the same journey, our, make, our genetic makeup is also very different. Like the traumas that she probably has experienced is very different from mine. Absolutely. So when we're talking about going on a self-discovery journey, especially in the business sense, a lot of times we would look into, oh, if I go through this um, business program, I would be able to do this if I follow all these instructions, right? But usually it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> I have personally signed up for many, many business programs and they would tell me, okay, this is what you do. This is how you need to do it. And I couldn't. And I was like, why is it like, is, is this, is there something wrong with me? But I just have to actually understand my own makeup. So I have to go back into myself and go with what feels best for me in order to move on. 
And there's nothing wrong with how I do it. There's nothing wrong with how other, other people do it. We just have to get back into ourselves. Just because it works for someone else, great for them, but it may not work for me. So I, I, I want to share this with other people because so many times we think that if we buy the next program, then it will help us flourish, which is what's promised <laughs> to us. But the most important part is coming back to ourselves because there were so many times I tried to go through those programs and I'm like, it doesn't work. Like, I feel so yucky. I feel so gross. It's like, why is it like that? And then I beat myself up because I think that I'm the problem. But no, no, no. Like, if we can just go back into our own bringing, then we can learn a little bit more about it. So for the Asian ladies... We may have a little bit more work to do. <laughs> yeah. What you're saying, Claudia, is so important because I've thankfully had lots of counseling and coaching in my life. And that's exactly the same story, whether you're Asian or not Asian, that things that impacted your ancestors impacted all the generations that came from those people and therefore impacted you. Mm -hmm. And so you can trace things back to war times, to substance abuse, to PTSD from war, to, and it's not that far away when you actually look at it in terms of how many generations, it's really not that far away. So the kids learn and then they teach their kids and then they teach their kids. So absolutely. Something I've got on my wall, Claudia, that says um, mental and emotional health is invisible. Mm. And people can repress it, su suppress it to stay productive. That, that busyness, the busyness is somehow a state that people can get into to say, if I just do more, if I just do more, if I just do more. Can you speak to that if, in terms of maybe what you see within some clients that come to reach out to you for coaching? This one brings up, I signed my son up for a STEAM program one, one day. It was like a family fun time. And it was it was when he was four years old and we were supposed to help him build this race car that were cut out from wooden pieces. And for four-year-old, it was a little bit complex. So we were helping him. And at the same table was a Chinese mom and her son. Her son was probably around five years old, five, okay? And we're talking about maybe four or five pieces of these wooden cutouts where you have to pop them out and then put them together and then glue these pieces together to make a race car. And the mom the entire time, just sat there with her arms crossed. And her son had to do everything from start to finish. And of course, the people from the, from the STEAM program was also helping him. But near the end, he was really good. Like he was trying his best, but near the end, he was just struggling so much. And the mom, I glanced at a mom, she just gave him this really disappointing look. And when I looked at her, 
I felt a visceral reaction. I could feel myself like not good enough for mom. And for a five-year-old son, like a five-year-old kid, they don't understand that. It's not a project that is suitable for a five-year-old kid. He is not supposed to be able to finish it on his own. But because of his mom's reaction, he thought that there was something wrong with him. So can you imagine for him to be doing that? Like in his mind, it's already, I need to do more. Do more to please mom. Be more better to make her proud of me. And because so funny, because in the beginning, before we even start, they had laid out these big pieces of paper so they don't get the table ready. And they laid out these crayons so the kids can draw on it. And he was writing in script, like in cursive. And um, the the person, I, I, I didn't actually see it, but the person who walked by is like, wow. And then he, she's like, yeah, he, uh, the mom was like, yeah, he can write in cursive, right? Very, put all of these expectations on the kids. And I don't know for other culture if it happens, but in the Chinese culture is very prevalent because they want them to start very early, get the head start, push, 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 and can you imagine the amount of stress, like this mental illness that you were asking me is invisible because he doesn't know. He doesn't even know what's happening. But all he knows is that I have to do more to be better, right? So this is what happens when they grow up in this environment. And I want to share this with you. They may either become a very much high achiever and they'll keep going and going and going, because internally, they just want to seek approval. But we, once they get to that goal, they, they don't feel satisfied. So they may either switch to a next goal that will they keep going. Or they will just lose all motivation and crash. And they'll stop blaming. It's too hard. It's not my problem. I'm not going to even try. So it's a very heartbreaking emotional reality that we have to kind of not have to like it's it's good to become aware of because how we are operating at this moment probably has something to do with how we're raised absolutely <laughs> absolutely and and i i feel you claudia when you say just one more thing just one more goal just one more and then i'll feel good and then i'll feel satisfied but they don't. They don't. And there's the tragedy of a little bit more, a little bit harder, better marks, better this, better that. But they never achieve that feeling of self-worth and self-satisfaction. Maybe because, I mean, you'll know better than me, but maybe because it wasn't their goal in the first place. It's somebody else's. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons. They're doing it for yeah. approval. They're doing it to make their parents happy. They're doing it to make their peers happy. They're doing it for approval, but inside yeah. them, yeah, it's right? not what they crave. If you look at that little boy's life, right? He could be fighting, fighting, fighting for, for the next thing. Maybe, just maybe one day her, his mom will like give him a smile and acknowledge him. And he'll be like, oh, wow. I keep going and I will get that acknowledgement. So if his mom never approves of him, it's that's the norm. 
he's not supposed to get that until he works even harder, right? So that's why he would keep grinding and going after the thing. Or he may rebel. Once he becomes conscious, more aware of what's happening, he may rebel. He's like, forget it. It's not going to happen. And so it's, um, yeah, it's a very tragic thing. And that's where, that's where that invisibility comes in. Because it's that pain that's never realized. And well, because from the outside, doesn't he look, you know, quote unquote, perfect? He can write in cursive. He can put the race car together. He can, he can, he can from the outside. On the inside, he's scared. He's afraid. He feels pressure. He doesn't feel good enough. His self-worth is garbage. But nobody can see that on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So... Claudia, can we talk about why do people avoid counseling or why do people say, oh, no, 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 I don't have time. I want to, I want to push it away. I, I don't need it. I'll just, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because doing what I'm doing eventually will give me what I want. No, but, but why do people, why do people avoid it? I think mostly it's because of the judgment and in the Asian culture is a stigma, hmm. Right. Because when you seek for these help, it means you're really like ill. Yeah, and they don't, they see that as a weakness. And I think it's it also has to do with the mindset of competition. Because can you imagine with being so many people fighting for one job? If you tell anyone that you're seeking for mental health help, like you're just going to instantly lose the job because it means you're incapable, mm. right? So no one wants to admit that. Mm. No one, and, and that's also the other reason why no one wants to share that they're struggling with something. Like not just not just mental health, but like if let's say I'm not doing well in school, if I just don't understand this concept, like it's it's the idea that if I show any weakness and ask for help, then maybe if I it's time for other people to choose someone to be in the position, I may lose that credibility. So they're not going to choose me. It's exhausting. I guess it is. These people who come to you must be so depleted and tired of this great big mask and this great big facade that they're feeling like they have to put on, do more, be more, perform more. But inside, it's yeah. it's just an outraging battle. And Marilyn, let me share with you what, for me, the one thing that I struggled with most was the fact that I had been jealous of other people for a long time, like since I was in my teenage years, because of the comparison. The comparison, I'm, and of course, like because there's so many competition, it's easy to see what other people are good at, what other people can do. Why isn't it that I cannot do that? And it's like just the jealousy would spring up immediately and it would get really hard for me to do my own work 
because the moment I glimpse at other people's life, like now is so easy, right? You turn on Instagram, you just for your own business, but of course you're going to see other people's posts. And that moment where it's like, how is it that they're doing so good, but I can't? It just brings me down. And to the point where it's so it makes it so hard for me to move on to the next step because I'm in this headspace where it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter how much work that I put in. <laughs> I'm still not going to get there. So why bother? So then it's like this loophole that I would just keep holding myself back. And it's like, wow, the comparison. I feel mm-hmm. that so deeply, Claudia. And your self-esteem is just trampled on. Yeah, and it doesn't matter because, yeah, and it doesn't matter because my work is good, but like, and then it's like the moment when you see someone else's work that's worse than yours and they're getting the acknowledgement that they're getting, it's like, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how is it possible? So that so it becomes this very competitive nature where, and there's a saying, it's like women just bring other pe- women down, right? Because it's like, this competition, constant competition of needing to be better, needing to show up more powerful. But you, but internally, you're not like that. You don't want to be like that. But it ends up being that way. And it's like that's this turmoil that is within that you keep fighting, fighting within yourself, fighting. And it's it's so exhausting because for a long time, I just want to celebrate other women. I'm mm. like... If I see Marilyn's like podcast, I want to celebrate her. But for the longest time, I couldn't because why is it that her podcast is better than mine? <laughs> right? So, so I it's know, like this, I hear you. Know, it's it's this constant battle, and I really had to do a lot of my own work to give myself back that self worth, give myself back that self love, to say, hey, I am where I am, and I'm doing well to acknowledge all of the things that I've done well. Like that little boy, I've, I can write cursive. I made the, the um, race car all on my own and I am five years old. You can F off. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Because something else I've got here, self-soothing. So when you get to that next point, when you achieve that next goal, when the little boy makes the race car, writes in cursive or makes an even better race car the next time, and it isn't acknowledged, or his mama doesn't smile or hug him and say, wow, that was great, because that's not what she was raised to do, and that's not what happened to her as a child. How does our culture, or how does the Asian culture, Chinese culture, how do you self-soothe They should be coming to you for counseling, but if they're saying, oh, no, 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 I don't want to admit that there's anything really that I have to work on, what happens? So there are a lot of things that could happen. Like they may eat. Eat. Okay. They may eat. They may look for things like sugary stuff, snacks, anything, just because whenever they come upon a a feeling that they don't like, they're going to search for the food to comfort the body. Got it. They may work even harder. They may grind themselves down so hard that they be, uh, get into burnout. They may, of course, have very short temper, 
with everyone around them, creating a very toxic environment for the loved ones, yelling at them even when they don't want to, um, putting them down, making comments. And it, it's all of these things that may happen to them and they don't even realize it happens. They may sometimes feel like, oh, I don't, I don't say anything to my kids. They may think that, but what you say is very different from how you act. And we sometimes don't, are not aware of how we act because that stare that you just gave to your kid is, it's enough. They, they know you, you, and, and it's not conscious that we do stuff like that. Right. So, um, so these are how, how things manifest. Like, like all we really want, I, I believe, is feel good about ourselves and have a great relationship with the people we love. Yes. But all of those things seems to be just a little bit out of reach. I feel that battle. And so for you, Claudia, how, I mean, I'm not saying the battle's over and oh, everything. Oh, no. I mean, no. <laughs> Never the battle, until the, the day I die. <laughs> It's an ongoing battle. I certainly yeah. understand that. But it's so important to model this new, mm-hmm. different, improved self-confidence and behavior for your children. You have two children, right? I have one son. He's six I, years I old. apologize. One no, boy, okay. six, yeah. six years old. And, and so how are you... How are you modeling this behavior for him so that he's not the kid trying to be building the race car, writing in cursive, I mean, but also just knowing, like, catching yourself if you're inclined to give him that look? I actually share with him how I feel, and I talk to him a lot. When I was doing my speaking competition the month before, I got really sick, hmm. and, it, and I realized that it was because I was so scared to speak about it. And I was in a meltdown and my son was like, are you okay, mommy? I said, yeah, I'm just really scared. And he said, mommy, I know you can do it because you have all the tools within you. Yeah. And so I was just crying. I was just, it's okay. So he hugged me. He's, he hugged me and I was crying. I'm like, I'm just really scared. And so allowing to be to see that it's okay to be in an emotion. A lot of times my son gets very angry because we have to tell him to do something that he doesn't want. Like it's time for you to brush your teeth. It's time to go to school. It's time, like, right. It's like all those things. And he would get very angry. It's time to stop watching your your iPad now, right? Like all of these can be very um, anger inducing. So just allowing him to process that emotion, that there's nothing wrong. Of course, you have to, if he hits or like be rude, then you have to separate that out compared to, okay, I know you're angry. Is there something that we can do about that anger to feel it versus snip those bad behaviors in the bud, right? But allowing him all of those. And also to celebrate the progress, the process, the effort. Because a lot of times we feel like, oh, when we, if let's say we're looking for a job, for example, the moment we get the job, then we'll be happy. Hmm. But getting the job is out of our control. 
So looking at the process, how many resumes did you send out today and celebrate that? So these are things that you can control. So celebrate the progress, celebrate the process, celebrate the efforts to say, hey, I did this and I feel wonderful, even even if I don't get the job. And this is what we've been modeling with my son is because we got him to do abacus and he doesn't like to do it because it's hard, but it's a great training for him to listen, to focus, to do math. So we always celebrate like each time he has quote unquote, enter the complexity of doing the practice. So we celebrate the practice. Whether he gets the question right or wrong, it doesn't matter. For us, it's the effort that he noticed that. Excellent. You're letting him feel the feelings. You're acknowledging the feelings. You're acknowledging your own feelings by modeling, I'm really scared of this speaking competition then one day he'll probably be able to say to anyone, his own kids, his own family, I'm really scared of this because you as his mama taught him that it's okay and you weren't going to be judged by telling somebody that you're feeling scared. Yeah. yeah. What a great and lucky little boy he is to have you as his mama. It's so funny because um, a few days ago, my husband was telling me how, because when he dropped my um, our son off to school, he was like, when I look at our son and look at other kids, it seems like he's so aware of what's happening. And all the other kids are just like, well, we're playing around. And I believe this um, sharing from Teal Swan, um, she said, before we are born into this world, we have already picked a lesson that we want to learn. And we look down into this earth to find the situation where we will learn this lesson. Now, of course, like for some people, it's not the most loving thought because like, for example, if let's say they have to endure abuse or violent situations, it's not a re- like a really great belief to have. But for me, I remember just growing up, I felt like, if only my mom would believe me a little bit more, if my mom would like support me a little bit more, believe what I do, then I would be able to go so much further. I, f- I always had this feeling like she was holding me back. And then when once I heard that message, I'm like, you know what? That was what I needed in order for me to break through this thing. They need to hold me back because it's only when they hold me back so much that I'm like, this is enough, right? So then I break through. And then so if my if it's true, my son needs to be at a higher awareness level for us to go through all these awareness to impart it on him so he can go and learn whatever he needs to learn. I don't know what lesson he needs to learn, <laughs> but he needs to learn that, right? So he that's why I'm like, yeah, that's why he's like an old man trapped in a small body. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk to us about winning the Speaker Slam's personal transformation Ooh. competition? Because you were just speaking saying, oh, I'm telling my son, you were sick, you were afraid, you were acknowledging these feelings. But what was that? And and just maybe give us a couple stories about that. 
Yeah. The Speaker Slam is a competition um, founded by um, two, two people, Dan Shik and Rena. I'm so sorry, Rena. I forgot how to pronounce your last name. Um, and what happened was it's a competition that gets held throughout the year and they have themes. And I actually knew about this competition probably four or five years ago when a few of my friends actually went on to speak. And I was like, wow, that is so awesome. I would never be able to go on and speak. And of course, after doing some work and then this past January, I enrolled myself into a speaking program by um, Lisa Nichols. And midway through, it was a six-month program. Around March, I started looking for speaking opportunities and I Speaker Slam popped up again. And when I looked at one of the themes, it's called personal transformation. And I was like, oh yeah, I can speak into that. And then the moment I, I, I realized this thought, I'm like, oh, interesting. Now I feel I can speak into it. So I applied. <laughs> yeah, so I applied. And for the, for the speech that I shared, I was really scared because there were two folds of scary. First one, it was sharing, it was a it was a story about my the struggle that I had between me and my mom when I was dating my now husband because he is of a different racial background um, and we fought a lot throughout the years that we were dating. And that was a very difficult period of my time that I had to go through. So it was going through, it was the one part of the scary is to heal all of those wounds um, during those times. And the other part of scary is because as an Asian woman, we're not supposed to air out dirty laundries. <laughs> and so now I'm going on stage to air it out, quote unquote. So it's the going against my cultural upbringing again to say, hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. Interestingly enough, it's actually a story that is not just for myself because I've heard so many stories of other people experiencing the same thing. Whether they have to hide the fact that they're marrying the same sex partner um, and they have to hide that fact from their um, great-grandma, great-grandma, great-grandma. Um, or people who are struggling because their partner is of different racial background and they're threatening that they're going to leave, pick up and leave. It's like, you, you, you go on your own and I have nothing to do with you. And all these stories are very common um, and it's very painful. So me sharing that is just to let other people know that they're not alone. And yeah. Well, you won. And I won, yes. And so the next step for that is in upcoming in November, I will be joining what they call the Grand Slam, which is like the first place and the second place of all of the competition throughout the year. They will come together at the last event to compete against each other, but I don't know what the theme is until October. So 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> cannot wait. No pressure, but no just kind of wait to hear how this all unfolds for you, Claudia. So a couple of things. What does brave or bravery, what does brave mean to you, Claudia? That is such a deep question because brave is actually a mixture of so many emotions in one. Brave is like being scared of getting hurt. Brave is being scared of not completing that task, like getting the result that you want. Brave is about knowing that you may fail, but you're going to try it out anyways. And it's something that we have to wrap our mind around to actually do this thing because our brain is so primitive. It's just like, it just wants us to be safe. It just wants us to be comfortable, right? Because if we can just sit here, we can live until the very last moment and we don't have to like agitate our body, right? <laughs> and it just wants that. It wants to keep us, it wants to keep us in um, the little cave. But how satisfied are we going to be? So brave is a mixture of wanting to be satisfied with life. Brave is like yearning for that next win, right? So it's like a mixture of all of those emotions. And yeah, what a beautiful question. <laughs> Thank you, Claudia. And and it's fascinating to me that we're, we're actually past... Um, 63 episodes now of mm. Breaking Brave, and no one individual has ever answered that question the same way. No. So it gets more interesting the further we yeah. go with having conversations with people. So, yeah. And I'm sure every single one you ask, the like 8 billion people on this earth, you will never get the same answer. No, because back to what you originally started with, given our upbringing, given, given the imprinting that has been placed upon us consciously or unconsciously through our upbringing, we all have a, a slightly different view of the world, but of that word and the meaning of that word. I have on order Asian women trailblazers who boss up. It hasn't arrived yet, so I haven't read it's it. It's on the way. It's on the way. They tell me it's on the way. Because I'm an old fart when it comes to books, I want to feel it. I need it in my hands. I really don't want to read books electronically. Hmm. Can you talk about being part of that book, Asian Women Trailblazers Who Boss Up? First of all, I love the title. Oh, thank you so much. So actually, I can't take credit credit for that because the two women who came out with this title is called Tam Look and and Sheena Yap Chan. So when they started this movement, Tam Look actually wants it to be kind of like the chicken soup of the soul kind of idea. And so she started the Women Who Boss Up series. And when I first saw it come out as the Asian women um, who boss up, I was part of me was like, oh, I want to be in that book. And so when I saw Sheena was promoting the second variation, 
Asian women trailblazers who boss up. I was like, oh, hey, Sheena, do you have one more spot for me? And that was how it started. A lot of things that I do is just part of myself within my body was just like, you should just do this thing. (laughs) And so I did. It's a book with profiling 16 women, Asian women, um, the story, the backgrounds. One woman is a Vietnamese woman who had congenital heart issues. And um, her mom actually brought her um, to U.S. because of um, the Vietnamese war and they survived it. And um, so when her mom passed away, she decided to start writing her book to dedicate to her mom. And now she ha- she has a um, publishing company. Yeah, so she's um, Amy, um, Amy Lee. And another lady that I know of, she is a self-defense um, coach, but it's not just normal self-defense. We're talking about getting the mind ready, getting the voice ready, and getting our body ready physically to fight off, to stand up for ourselves. And so um, her name is Leslie Liu, and there's so many more. So what's lovely about that is a few of the ladies, we have grown quite close. And um, so we were doing different things. And back beginning of August, we did a little gathering to celebrate our one year anniversary after after publishing the book. So it's yeah, it's very fun. So my story it was it was also in it. And yeah. Congratulations. And thank you so much for purchasing my book, Marilyn. It's of on course. its way. <laughs> it's on its way. So this is a great time. If people are interested in purchasing that book. Asian women trailblazers who boss up, what's the best way for them to get a hold of it? Yeah, so you can go to my website, claudiachan.co, C-L-A-U-D-I-A-C-H-A-N.co, and then you can search for um, books and then you can you can purchase it from there. And how else can people follow you, connect with you? Is there Instagram? Is there LinkedIn? Is there Facebook? Is there any of those things that you would like to call out right now? Yeah, so um, LinkedIn, I believe my handle is claudia-chan-coaching. And um, in Instagram is claudiachan.co. So you can find me on those. Um, And I'm sure Marilyn will have those links too. One of the things that I really want to share is um, on this journey, I hope that you find out who you are. And for me, I've always loved seeing people search for something that they really enjoy doing and then going after them. I don't believe in someone just gets stuck in something that they hate. It's like it's such a time waster in life and search for something that brings you joy. Maybe, yeah, maybe you you may think you're at an age where, you know what, maybe your job is something that you don't want to let go of just because you're getting close to retirement. I get it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But try to find something that you really love for yourself. 
And I know it may be harmful for you because we have been told what we should do, how we should act, and all those stuff. And so it's very difficult to get back into our body to find that. But find some way to get in touch with that for you. And I'm sure Marilyn have so many podcasts, and you can listen to all of them, and they may inspire you. Just so that you can be a little braver to tap into that, because as I said, bravery is a mixture of being scared and being inspired, <laughs> and so, and so, just I encourage you to just look. Maybe, just maybe, you'll find it and go after it, because life is so short. Life is so short and time is so precious. I have a fridge magnet on my fridge in the kitchen. Mm. I think it was maybe Eleanor Roosevelt who said, mm. it's never too late to be what you could have been. I'm in a coaching program where there's this one lady who just shared that. She just joined maybe in May. And she shared that she's 80, 80 years old, turning 81 next week. Hello, if an 81-year-old lady is joining to start her restart her coaching business, it's not too late for you. <laughs> not at all. Not at all, because that's where the richness of life exists, is finding that thing that lights you up, that makes you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that in a store years ago, I bought it, and it's been on my fridge forever, mm. because... The age is just a number. It doesn't matter. It's mm -hmm. finding it and doing it and feeling fulfilled by it. Mm -hmm. Claudia, thank you so much. You have been an absolute delight. I, I would love to reconnect after the Grand Slam speaker competition because we want to know not if you won or lost because along the lines of what you've been modeling for your son, we want to know how it felt to experience it. Thank you for all of the wisdom and all of the experiences and all of the stories you've shared. We can't wait to have you back, Claudia. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Marilyn. So excited to be on here. Thank you so much for listening. For updates between episodes, I'd encourage you to join my mailing list, which you can do at either marilynbarefoot.com or breakingbrave.show. At most once a month, at least once a quarter, you'll receive an update on the latest resources, topics, and information I've found either super helpful or amazingly impactful. That's it for now. See you next time.